welcome to The B Word, the podcast for women in real estate who want to unlock the clarity needed to put your big girl panties on and rock your career like the true boss you are. I'm Joanne Bolt, your host, and together we'll dive into the things your broker doesn't teach you in order to own your own path, disown the things getting in the way to finding your place, and stop apologizing for the obstacles you had to overcome along the way. If you're ready to stop playing small and take action in your professional life, this is the place for you. Welcome back, everyone, to The B Word. I am your hostess, Joanne Bolt, and I have got a super special guest with me here today, Amy Gregory. Amy is a fellow badass powerhouse real estate agent. Although we've never met in person, we're both EXP realtors. Um, so we've run in those circles. We've just never had the opportunity to sit down live for a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. So we're going to do it virtually here today on the podcast. And I am just, Amy, I'm thrilled to have you here today because our hearts align so much in what we do. But I will, I'll let you kind of give a very brief overview. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. I love um, breaking down businesses. I've always like my mind, some people think about like what they're going to wear or what they're going to make for dinner. And I'm usually, I am reverse engineering a business. Like if I go to the movie theaters, I'm reverse engineering the business. Um, And my mind has just always worked that way. And I've been licensed for 15 years and I've been practicing. I've really been practicing for gosh, coming up on six years here now. Congrats. Um, That's a good milestone. Thank you. Call me when you hit 20. I feel like a grandmother (laughs) in real estate. (laughs) Um, well, I feel like a grandmother on social media, but that was kind of my thing. Then I'm the great grandmother. That's flat out. Right. Well, I remember very first, like sitting down in my broker's office and him saying like, okay, like, where do you think your transactions are going to come from? And I was just like, Instagram. And he kind of looked at me and I'm like, no, I'm serious. And then I, I was naive enough. I mean, my broker is like big time. My previous broker before I was at EXP. Um, they, they're some of the biggest players in real estate. They founded companies, Wall Street's invested with them. They've rung the bell on Wall Street. I, so like, I'm just this little girl, like, well, I'm going to use Instagram. On Instagram. And he kind of looked at me and I was like, well, and actually I told, I, I, I had the cojones to sit and say, well, actually you should be using Instagram too. And he was like, oh really? How should I be using Instagram? <laughs> and at the time they were flipping properties and I said, oh, well, you should brand them with a designer. Interior designers, they need... Um, blank canvases to do their affiliate links, sell film commercials. It should be branded like your flip and you'll be able to charge more money. You got to tell the story of what it was before and what it is now. Now, this was back when like Fixer Upper was all the rage and it was just the very beginning of like the fashion blogger. And so I had had an online storefront and I worked with fashion bloggers, um, some of these OG fashion bloggers, um, and I would send them my product and they would post about it and then they would get a commission of the sales. And Fixer Upper's on, I'm doing this. I'm also birthing a million babies at the time. And I'm thinking like, gosh, real estate and fashion bloggers have the same business model. They both sell someone else's inventory for a small percentage. Mm. And no one was quite using Instagram. And so I remember like, literally this was like, my husband and I laying in bed. This is what pillow talk with me sounds like. I'm like, you know, someone should... uh like use a real estate agent should be using Instagram like fashion bloggers do. And I would go on and on about it. And he's like, okay, well, you're licensed. So like, why don't you do that? 
And I was like, okay, bet. Like (laughs) I'm going to. So I literally like overnight shut down my online storefront, which it was producing good money for, I mean, you have to remember at the time I had a four-year-old, seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. So I was in the thick of handful little kids and, um, and it was producing good income for me. And I just shut it down and was like, I, I, I put all my eggs in the basket and I did it and got pregnant that year, had a baby, brought home six figures. My husband's company was acquired that year and they wanted us to move out of state. And it was my real estate business that kept us here. And for the first time in our marriage, we prioritized my career over my husband's career, which was an interesting switch for us. Um, and it's gradually continued that way. Um, but that was the first time that it was like, oh, this could really be something. Like I started kind of as a side hustle. I worked 10 hours a week. I brought home six figures. I had a baby, took the last two months of the year off. And I was like, okay, let's go. Let's do this <laughs> thing. From there, it has just continued to grow and has literally been the surprise of my life. Surprise That's amazing. You know what I love about that story? And, and there's so much to unpack there, but here's the key thing that I'm going to hone in on for just a second, because I argue agents this all the time. When you decided to go into real estate, you went all in. Yes. Now, maybe you considered it a side hustle and you were only working 10 or 15 hours a week, but you weren't trying to do it and another job. You were solely focused on real estate. And I know I tell agents all the time, if you're not solely focused on anything, it's never going to happen. No. And you got that right off the gate. Well, and it is a little bit gutsy. and, and, And so... I'll unpack it just a little bit further. So my side hustle at the time was an online storefront. Um, and, but we depended on some of that money. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my husband like, okay, I'm going to shut this down. Could I have done them concurrently? Yes, but I wouldn't have done either one very well. And that's my point is you, you mm-hmm. can't, if you're not focused on it, it's not going to explode or expand like you want it to because yes. you're not focused on it. Yes. So I gave myself a budget. And I said, great, I'm going to put $5,000 of overhead towards real estate. Now I mapped this out and I figured out like, do I, I think I can make six figures, which I think sometimes we use six figures as this like, oh my gosh, it's so magical thing, magical thing that it's like so hard to attain or something. And at the time that like the version of myself from six years ago, that was actually really reasonable. It was probably unreasonable for me to think, oh, I'm going to make six figures in 10 hours a week. But that's kind of what I was working. My other business was I was working at about 10 hours a week. Um, and I thought, oh, I think real estate would, you know, make me more money per hour. Um, so I'm going to take that 10 hours and point it towards real estate. But I knew it would have kind of a on-ramp of like three, four, five months before I started seeing closings. Um, and so I also kind of set myself a budget um, before I did that. But it was interesting how I knew my secret sauce was Instagram. Mm-hmm. I knew that was my secret weapon. It took me a minute to like, I had to try on a few different things on Instagram before I could get it to land um, consistently again and again. And, and here's the thing with social media is it's always changing. So I'm still shifting and growing and adjusting to it. Um, but I knew that was my secret weapon, um, doing local transactions. And then when I heard about the EXP, the opportunity at EXP, I went back and sat down with that same broker. And I said, Hey, I'm doing the math on this. I feel like this pairs really well with my skill set." And we broke it down and I will be forever grateful to that broker because he agreed with me and was like, yeah, that's a massive opportunity for you. You should do that. And how 
how rare that is for you to have that broker because you know their their job is to bring agents into a brokerage. They don't make money unless there are agents who are producing in a brokerage. So for that broker to say, Amy, go, this is the right thing for you. Like, I, I hope, and I'm sure you do realize what a unicorn opportunity that was. Well, it was a unicorn opportunity to have a broker like that, which is why I value being at that firm, because I knew he would always do what was in my best interest. He mm-hmm. would tell me what was in my best interest. Now I had, they had, they said, great, Amy, you can build out our brokerage however you want. They had their broker, their local brokerage was their side hustle, right? Cause they, they were fixing, flipping. They work more on that investment arm of real estate, but on like the residential resale side, they were going to give me full reign of running that brokerage, which felt like a big opportunity. Like it felt flattering at the time. Um, but the math on it, it, it didn't have the scalability. No, it's that- geographically um, a bad idea for lack of better words. Geographically yeah. undesirable, as my husband would say. There you go. Yes, yes. it didn't have this. And, 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 with, and when I'm using social media, my reach is the and- world. Yes. And so when I map that out, and the other funny thing is, is they actually have the accounting staff where they're like, oh, we could build a model like that if you wanted, because they run big businesses. And I was like, yeah, but it's already been done. Like, why are we going to recreate it? I, I, I don't want to go through all those growing pains. I just want to go over here and like unleash myself and run. And he paused on it for a second. And he's like, yeah, I can appreciate that. You should do that. Go for That's it. amazing. And he's like, and then he's like, and if it doesn't work out, you come back and we'll build whatever you want. And the door's and always it, open. Mm-hmm. And here you are at EXP today yeah. with what you call it. Powerhouse is your group of women that are, yeah, are here with you. Yeah. Powerhouse it took me a hot second at EXP to realize everyone kind of uh, self-names their revenue share group and they become little tribes in and of themselves. And so your, yours is called the Powerhouse Group and yeah. you guys meet every Thursday we meet every Tuesday and, um, and then we have an elites call on Thursdays because there's different levels of agents or different. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it would be like having first graders going to school with 10th graders. You don't do that. No, you got to separate them out somehow so you can reach them all in the season that they're in. Okay. So we're going to dive into some, one of what I consider is your superpower. Um, and why I love it so much is, you know, the reason I actually got into real estate I was working for a big consulting firm and we traveled all the time. We were called road warriors and we were always gone. And one day my managing partner um, walked in and made this really flippant joke about her four-year-old's birthday party and that she was going to schedule it in like three months. And you know me, I'm like 22 at the time, 23. And so I was like, well, you know, is that his actual birthday? And her response was something to the along the lines of, no, but he doesn't know his birthday. It doesn't really matter because I travel so much. We just, we just fit it in whenever we can. And that day I called my husband and I was like, Hey, I'm getting on a plane to come home. I'm not coming back because that's not the life I want to live if we have children. And even if we don't, that's not the life I want to live. So why would I build a business for another corporation trying to hit a ladder that I don't want to be at? And so we laughed and I said, and he was, you know, of course, uh, we have a mortgage. What the hell are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'll just go get my real estate license. You know, I'll figure this thing out. I'll figure out my big girl job while I do some real estate, 20 something years, I'm still here. But I left because the company I was with could not understand how or help me understand how you can run your business, work your career and have little babies at home. 
and not burn out and kill yourself to the point where your kids don't even know where their birthdays are. And I feel like your superpower, my observation of powerhouse and the women that really, really come into your world are those women at whatever level of real estate they're at that look at you and go, holy hell, I have two little babies at home. I only want to work 15 hours a week because that's all the time I have with preschoolers, yet I want this to be a full-time gig. How do I do that? So walk me through some of that, Amy. Well, I love what you're saying. I will never be a proponent. This is one of the unfortunate things inside of real estate. And and we actually had, and we were talking about this yesterday in our powerhouse meeting, because I have a rookie agent. Get that you're going to fall off your seat when I tell you her production year one. She closed just shy of 15 million. Wow. Her, her rookie year had 18 million under contract, like in escrow by that one year mark. So call it whatever metrics you want to use. We'll meet in the middle. We'll go 16 and a half. Right. Her rookie year, her husband was deployed six months of the year and was, she was pregnant the other half of the year. Just had, she just had that. So her second baby. And it was just awe-inspiring to me that she could produce those kinds of numbers because I think looking at real estate, we have this idea or this perception that if I pursue real estate, I'm going to be working 24 seven all day, every day, cannot vacation. Was that your perception of real estate agents? My perception was it gave you flexibility, but within 30 minutes of being in real estate, I realized unless you set really good boundaries, there is no flexibility and you are working 28 hours a day. Yeah. Right. That was kind of my perception. Seven days a week. (laughs) Yeah. And then I've kind of learned something. And I think this is, I think this is true for every business. Um, I've run a lot of, I've run a lot of different businesses over the years, but one of the things is with real estate agents, I think you have to say like busyness is not a badge of honor. And I think real estate agents love to pretend like they are always busy or like shuffling papers or doing something like they feel this thing of like, oh, I've got to like demonstrate my worth through always being busy. And I like to say, you know, like a a business that's in chaos or like it, everything is urgent. When everything is urgent, nothing is urgent, right? Right. And we see this with if real estate. In chaos, it's not going well. Yeah, a business in chaos is not a business that's like succeeding. That's that you've got to be, you've got to, you've got to be scratching your head. Like if your real estate agent is always got a fire to put out, it's not because they're <coughs> so that they are it, it means they're running a bad business. Like yeah. if you can't go on vacation, it's because you're not running a business very well. I tell people I would rather see you do the right activities for two and a half to three hours a day and then float in the pool the rest of the day. I don't care. Yeah. Go to Target, go shopping. Well, listen, I would rather see you do that and do the right activities for three hours a day than do the wrong activities for nine hours a day, barely make dinner on the table, feel like you're pulling your hair out and have no financial gain at the end of your you know, experience to show for it because you actually didn't make any money because you did the wrong activities. Well, yeah, a, a well-run business. Like, listen, my attorney is able to go on vacation. They're not working at midnight and they, and now listen, I, I'm not here to say that I've never done any of those things either. There are some times where, yeah, like 
If you're a doctor or a physician, sometimes you're on call. Okay, yeah. as a real estate agent, there's times that you are on call, so to speak. Um, but also, like, if you're highly specialized and you're good at your job, you should actually be working less hours as opposed to more hours because your hourly rate should increase. Yeah. And so I really like to focus on that hourly rate. And what's your hourly rate? Like, knowing what your measuring stick is for success. Unfortunately, we'll go to these conferences and you someone gets up on stage and is presenting. And I'm sometimes looking at it thinking like, Okay, if I were to actually implement what you're saying, I've just bought myself a 50-hour-a-week job. I get, I don't want to buy myself a 50-hour-a-week job. So I'm very intentional with how I'm building my business. Mm-hmm. Very intentional. Um, my overhead is low. Uh, my hourly rate is high. My ROI is high. And I have seasons of growth and I have seasons of just sustaining and maintaining. Like in, in the summertime, like I'm, I'm wrapping up my season of maintenance. I summer really hard. I summer really hard. Me too, girl. Me too. And, and so that means, in full disclosure, that means that season in my business is not a season of growth. Mm-hmm. It's just a season of maintenance. And I think sometimes as real estate agents, we can find ourselves in a perpetual season of growth, which I would love to like see where does that ever naturally occur? Like plants have seasons, like we have seasons. So should your business. So should, so should you. And so should your business. If you want it to actually mature and be, and have that sustainability to it. Agreed. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So what other advice do you have for our women real estate agents that are listening in? Okay. Well, I am obsessed with the shifting market. Like okay. I'm obsessed. I think it is the best news, any seasoned age, even a rookie agent. Um, but I tend to work more with seasoned agents. So that's my perspective. I think it's like the best news for any seasoned agent. Like, I listen, do. massive re- di- disruption means there is a massive opportunity. Agreed. And so one of the things I think about is like, what happens when we see this shift? I mean, the market that we were we were in like five minutes ago, um, but <laughs> the market that we were in five minutes ago, we all knew was not sustainable. That it, it just was not sustainable. So we need to have a little bit of a shift in the market. So now when you have this disruption, what's going to happen is number one, a lot of agents are going to piece out of the business. Great. And see ya. See you later. I won't right? cry over it. I will not cry over it. So um, what happens is, like I always say, like anyone can make money in a good market, but the successful will create wealth in a shifting market. Agreed. This is your time to create wealth. So for me, I'm going into major offensive mode. A lot of agents are going to go into defensive mode and try and like hang on to everything, kind of like this. Oh my gosh, I'm going to hunker down. And I'm like, okay, release the shackles. Here we go. This is like the moment I've been waiting for. Um, so I've got three ways that I actually think women have an unfair advantage in this market. And this is this is what I'm focusing on. So take it or leave it. All right, give it to us. Okay, number one, focus on taking market share. Focus on taking market share. So with the market shifting, the deals have also shifted, which means a lot of agents, like we said, are gonna exit the profession. So this is gonna create a little bit of a vacuum for the seasoned agent to come in and take market share. Um, And so really, I would focus on taking market share, um, both buyers and sellers. That means you're farming neighborhoods. Women tend to build relationships that are referral-driven and community-based. So they actually have an unfair advantage when it comes to taking market share, right? right? Because they've got this loyalty piece. If you're using social media... And they know how to nurture it. 
Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us that ability. Uh huh. And if you're using social media, then you're also able to take, like you're, you're able to build relationships at scale. So when I think market share, I've got a couple of different businesses I'm running. One, I'm going to take market share on transactions. I'm going to focus in on a couple of different neighborhoods and I'm going to be the savior, right? These sellers are nervous. Oh, good. I know how to solve your problem. I'm going to come in and I'm going to solve it and I'm going to make sure you know about it. Um, number two, I am in the agent business. Like most agents have to know that in order to scale your business, at some point you have to go from being just in the transaction business to also being in the agent business. Whether you're a broker, you run a team or you build under EXP, somehow you've got to get yourself into the agent business. Maybe it's an online course or something like that. Um, But again, another opportunity because so many agents are going to be, they've never had to sell in a market other than the one that was 18 with the last 18 months, 18, 24 months. They don't, no, they don't have the foundations built. No, no. They really just, they don't have any firm skill sets. And when I say this, Amy, and I think you'll agree, I'm talking the basic skill set of, for the love of everything holy, do not take photos with your iPhone. Yeah, or like they don't call when they send an offer. Yeah. Like, I'm like, pick up the phone. Or let you know they've received the offer. Yeah, just or they they don't even like present the offer well in the email because no one taught them those basics because they and they didn't have to learn them because it was a whole different skill set of of foundational stuff we learned in the last 18 months. Now we got to go back and re or learn for the first time that foundation that you should have gotten on day one. Yeah. So if you're in the agent business, again, it's a huge opportunity there because there's going to be a lot of agents looking for um, that those basics. They need, again, you got to go be the savior. If you know how to run a real estate business and you know how to do transactions, whether you have an online course or you're a broker or all those other ways I listed, um, go and help those agents and grow your agent business. Yep. So it's two, the opportunity is twofold. Okay. Here's my next thing. Okay. Number two is I would be as liquid as possible and so that you can buy as many cash producing assets <laughs> right now, right? So again, like if you're in real estate, you have an unfair advantage. Like 91% of home purchases are influenced by women. Did you know that? Literally yeah. 91%. You put the word investor in front of it and it drops to 25%. Only 25% of investors are female. Yet we hold the licenses, we buy our dream houses, we run the household, but somehow like when it comes to investing, there's like a disconnect there. Um, which is problematic. Um, so I would say if it makes you money, it costs you nothing. So okay, I love that you pointed that out. And in fact, episode 48 of this podcast, I literally did an entire thing on, hey ladies, why the heck aren't you investing? For $27.40 a day, you can save up enough for your first down payment. Because it yeah. blows my mind how few of us are investing. So- oh, Blows my mind. And I listen, I am guilty as charged. Okay. Guilty as charged. I've been slow to the game, guilty as charged. But it's like one of those things where you're like, this is crazy. I hold my real estate license. So I get to buy it on sale, so to speak. And always, regardless of the market, because I can throw my commission at it. Right. I have all the relationships. I literally get paid to sell, to buy a home. Yeah. I get, I have all the relationships with the lenders and they want to do my deal and help me and the creative financing and blah, 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 blah. I have all the relationships with the title companies. Like, uh, (laughs) I'm like, okay. It's like, I have the ability to do it like with Black Friday prices. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me go and pay full price. Like, this is ridiculous. Okay. I love how you just put that because every woman out there understands Black Friday for shopping purposes. So 
If you didn't just mentally like tag that in your brain, buying homes for yourself and investing is like buying a home on Black Friday prices. I I can't help you any more than that. I I can't help you. Right now, in order to get Black Friday, this is actually, this is a better analogy than I realized. In order to get Black Friday prices, (laughs) sometimes you have to be a little bit strategic. Now, mind you, I would Black Friday shop when like Target opened at 6 a.m. Once they started opening at midnight, I was like, I'm out because I enjoy Thanksgiving too much. But I remember like if Black if Target opened at 6 a.m., tell me you've stood in line at 4 a.m. at Target. On well, I did one year with my hot You're chocolate. Creative. Oh, yeah. Right? You're creative in your approach to like get your deal, right? To like get the item that you wanted, which was probably like some Razor scooter that was originally $100 and now it's 20 bucks because it was always a $20 commodity. Anywho, another story for another day. We but, <laughs> but again, we can get creative in the financing. So just like you, if you spent the amount of time getting creative in your financing for investing, if you spent that same amount of time as you do on Black Friday shopping, like we would be buying investment properties like candy. Like why are we willing to like strategize saving 50 bucks on Black Friday to buy something we don't even need? And yet we're not doing it over here. It is the dumbest thing. Here's And, And understanding that and walking into, you know, if you walk into a listing appointment, and going ahead and snagging that property at the listing appointment, it's like standing in the 4 a.m. line for it to open at six o'clock at Target. But the other piece of that, if we go back to the Black Friday analogy, because I'm loving this, there are stores I would wait set, you know, five hours after they open because I knew that they were going to dry out some more inventory and I wasn't going to have to fight over it. Same yes. concept. If you know the area you're buying investment properties in and you watch some of them come on market with other agents and you watch what's going on and then you know when it's time for you to step in. It's, it's just the you know the beginning of the day at Black Friday and the end of the day. Well, and we get this idea that we need to time the market perfectly. And I would just love to know, has anyone seen... When, when my clients try and time the market perfectly, they always end up shooting themselves in the foot. Well, because you always. overthink it. I mean, that's like going to the roulette table in Vegas and absolutely knowing it's going to land on eight black. No, it's not. Why are we putting that expectation on ourselves? That's ridiculous. So here's the other thing is what uh, framing this out a little bit more with the huge jump in housing prices and now the increase in interest rates, the average consumer actually cannot afford housing. Yeah. Like seriously, if you look at what the average... American earns, and then you take, okay, this is the average house in the US, like the price point of the average house, and you break down that monthly payment. I want to say that it would be about 50% of the average Americans take home pay to buy the average American home, like, and pay the mortgage on that. Uh, no, thanks. Listen, I, I don't think it should be that way. I, it's a bummer that that's the, but that's just the circumstance we're in right now, which means we will continue to have more renters in our economy. <laughs> I mean, just in the Atlanta market alone, if you pull up in the MLS and look at the amount of homes, that, I mean, I'm not talking ones that are being rented out by rental companies or you know manager. I'm talking the ones that agents are putting in the MLS. The amount of homes on the market and being rented right now is about 400 times what it was two years ago. Yeah. And listen, here's one of the other things is too, is we've got Wall Street now playing in the real estate. They decided to get in the game. They decided to get in the game. And I'm very familiar with that story, (laughs) that with that story, um, because my, the previous broker I was in, they founded Invitation Homes. That Blackstone came in and invested with them and they bought more houses in the United States than anyone else. 
I mean, maybe that's still the story. It was a couple of years ago. Um, I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Bye. So, so what, what's your third, your third piece? Cause I know, I don't, you know, I know we could go on. Our listeners have the attention span of a gnat girl. So let's go. (laughs) Okay. This is actually the most important one. Okay. Is this invest heavily in yourself. Mm. Double down on the investments you make in yourself. Um, I think women underestimate the power that they are in their business. Um, but the biggest asset you have and the biggest asset I have is myself. Yeah. It's, it's you. Um, yeah. You can tell me all of your cash producing assets or the deals that you've done and the numbers associated with them, but who created that? Who had the idea and who pursued the idea? It was you. You pursued it. You created it. You came up with it. Um, so you're the biggest asset. And I think women especially should double down on the investments that they are making into themselves. When a woman invests in herself in the form of more knowledge, more relationships, um, or what have you, it usually doesn't just impact her business. A lot of women end up becoming mothers. And a fully developed mother doesn't just build an incredible business, but she also is the biggest link to the next generation and she'll pass her knowledge and her know-how on to her kids. And I think we are only like one solid generation into highly educated film females building big in business and in the workforce. And in 2020 really accelerated that like lifestyle business overlap. And I'm actually kind of on pins and needles to see what our sons and daughters do as they're able to draw on our experience, our expertise, and frankly, our ability to access money. You and not have unmatched ability to access money way more so than our mothers did. And I'm, I like, so it's so much bigger than just business, like investing in yourself to build a business. That's really cool. But generationally, that is where we get this generational wealth. And mothers are really new to this game, historically speaking. And I think it's going to have phenomenal impacts on our sons and our daughters. I would agree. I can even see, you know, even in my own life, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Same. In order to do that, she did not work. The concept stay-at-home mom meant you did not work. My dad brought in everything that we lived on. Mm -hmm. Well, now I'm one generation, you know, away from that. I'm showing my kids that I am a stay-at-home mom. I do not go into an office. I do not report to anyone else. And yet at the same time, I'm teaching them the balance of stay-at-home and provide income and have wealth-building opportunities. So it's like we're starting to merge that. I can't wait to see what my girl does. Right? I'm, I am like, I, I am so excited about it because this opportunity did not exist for our mm-hmm. mother. Like the ability to like be home, like I'm working on vacation right now, right? And to and and not just a little side hustle, but like a full blown freaking comma income producing business. Yes, yes, like multi six figures scalability. It'll scale to seven figures next year. Mm-hmm. Working part time hours from my laptop. You can do it, and doing it with a baby on my hip. My youngest is four years old. I have built this business with a baby on my hip, you know, single year. Yeah. And it's like, suddenly it's like, oh, well, do you want 50 grand to go to college or you want 50 grand to start a business? My kids would probably say, start a business. You know, that's funny. My husband and I were talking the other night. I, and I'll archive this for when my kids go, you know, go to college and we can circle back to it. But I would wager that my son goes to college. 
Mm-hmm. It's the way his brain works. And he will he will work a corporate job or start his own business only after he goes to college. I will wager that my girl does not. I will wager that by the time she gets there, we have all acknowledged that for some careers, college is going to be necessary and for some not necessary. And she will be the one that takes that path and exceeds all of our expectations. Yes. I Whereas agree. had I told my dad, I don't think I'm going to college, he would have shit a brick and um, forced me into it anyway, which I went to college and had a great time. But I just, the, it's changing so much. It's changing so much. I think college is valuable. I graduated with a, de- I actually graduated with a degree in elementary ed. And wouldn't you know, I spend a lot of time teaching. <laughs> just not, it's just, it's just in a more lucrative capacity. Right. Than teaching. But it's one of those things where, um, it's shifting quite a bit. And I make, and, and I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what our kids do when, with the access they have to mothers that have built empires. Yeah. My mom built an empire as well, but it was different than mine, right? Hers was, she put my dad through law school. They start, they opened up their own law firm and she was a real solid backbone in that business, but she was not forward facing. She was home running the household and my dad was gone a lot. Yep. You know, well, my dad didn't travel, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they worked a lot of hours because that's just the way it was. Yeah. And, and, um, and she did, and she raised the family and I was scared to bits of my mom. Like she was my best friend, but I also knew I stepped out of line and we go. Yeah. Watch out. Well, it's funny now to see her with my kids. I'm like, grandma (laughs) Hayes is not the mom that I grew up with. Like what happened? I don't know. Something happens when you hit 70 and <laughs> okay. Well, I can't wait to be a grandma because then I don't have to be a hard A. You know, like with my kids, I have to like draw these like oh, no. I'm like, like, no, you have to eat fruits and veggies at your meal. My mom's like, oh, let's go to McDonald's for every meal. And I'm like, who is this woman? I have no idea. Totally. <laughs> but I digress. All right. So let's circle back around and we're gonna finish this um episode up on one of my favorite topics of all. And you touched on it in item number three, investing in yourself. It is so flipping critical that you invest in yourself. Let me point out, most agents automatically think CE classes, learn how to read an expense report. I just like threw up in my mouth a little bit. I know, like investing in yourself is not sitting through one more lender telling you a boring story on how they have the best 30-year rate package available. Spoiler alert, they all have the same one. So- Stop going to those things. Like take that off your calendar. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Instead, and, and this is why we align so much because we're both pouring into women. And ironically, we both have events in September that I think you could actually go to both of them and get a lot out of. Um, I know I'm doing one called the Work, Play, Slay event. You guys have heard me talk about it for weeks now. September 11th and 12th in Nashville. And we're going to spend an entire day with some of the badasses, the best I could find, really diving into some of those fundamental things you need to understand, like working by referral or setting up your social media sphere of influence. I'm not going to teach you how to create a post, but how to use it to your advantage. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got one of our speakers coming in that's actually going to teach you how to start investing in real estate property. So we're going to touch on that topic too. And then literally two weeks later, you've got one called the Rise Collection or Conference. Rise Retreat, yeah. Rise Retreat. And you're going to pour into your agents in a different way that probably if you went to both of them, you would walk away at the end of September more prepared for 2023 than you've ever been in your life. So tell us a little bit about what you're going to dive into on yours. 
Yes, would love to. So it's called Rise Retreat and it's in Newport Beach. And one of the things that we really focus on is getting in the room and creating relationships with other women that are building similar to you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways that you can build a successful business in real estate. In real estate, um, and so we put a variety up on the on the stage. Um, we've got a confidence coach coming in. Gogo Bethke's coming in, who is like the queen of social media. Yep. Um, and then Susie Holman will be there teaching like kind of how to find alignment in your business, um, which is actually really important to women because women tend to build just off their instincts and their gut, and they. And they think it doesn't show up well on a spreadsheet, right? A referral-based business doesn't always show up well on a spreadsheet. Um, and so a lot of times what we see on stage is buy X amount of leads, make X amount of phone calls. You'll set X I amount of I will never teach you that. Yeah, you'll do that. you don't either. Yeah, which it shows up great on a spreadsheet. And, I, and sure. it, it worked well for my husband, but that's not how women typically build. And what happens is, is we see women consistently closing 5 million, 5 million, 5 million year over year over year. and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You're you're constantly repeating first grade, first grade, first grade, first grade. You got to get to second grade, fourth, fifth, tenth, twelfth grade. Like your business should be growing. Your six figure business is scalable. So we're going to teach you how to buy investment properties. Similar, very similar stuff, right? And the thing is, is it's like a girl's trip that's also a tax write off. I so, know that's how we're looking at it too. We all need some tax write off together the night before for cocktails and some. You know, I, I've got someone coming in to do hand massages and neck massages. Like, yes, take your take your three inch heels off. This is we're getting comfy and we're gonna you know meet and greet each other and really get to know each other. We're limiting it to a hundred women. Same. That's because, what we do, right? Okay. Did you go into it with this theory? Because I did. I love the big conferences. I'm going to Inman. I love Tom Ferry's stuff, but sometimes I feel like, oh my God, whoever's on stage teaching, I want to know more, but I'm in the back of the room with 10,000 people. So I was like, nope, I'm going to create events that if you're sitting in the back of the room, you're in the back of a room of 75 to hundred and you can raise your hand and we, we acknowledge you and we talk to you. Yeah. We do a panel discussion as well with our speakers. And this is the other thing too, is do you ever need to go to Vegas again for a conference? Like I never want to walk through a smoky casino to get to my conference ever again. I'm going next week to Inman in Vegas. And I will tell you, it's only because it's Inman and only because I got invited to a cocktail event. Otherwise, no. And And I I probably won't attend half the sessions. I will probably go in and just go to the cocktail event. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it because they need to house so many people. So like from a business standpoint, I get it. The other thing that I always think is funny about conferences is the speakers, like they'll have their like intro videos. And if it's a dude, 1000%, there's like a slow-mo video of him, like getting out of like some outrageously expensive sports. I I don't even recognize what it is. And I'm like, yo, I would be getting out of a white suburban with a baby on my hip and some football gear in my arm and my phone like this, like, yep, we're going to close. Yep. Yeah. We're good. Like, and I'm like, I'm going to slow-mo that. Like I'm walking through target on my Bluetooth, talking to the lender, making sure that we have clear to close as I'm pulling, you know, shampoos and crap out the target aisles. I'm not pulling up next to you in a Lambo going, I'm so great. Yeah. and, And frankly, and that's great. And whatever. But that's not what I want. Like, I don't want, that's not the lifestyle I'm after. And so I think sometimes, especially for women in real estate, we start using using someone else's measuring stick in our business and that works against us. Yep. My measuring stick is 
um, time freedom, financial freedom, location freedom. So it needs to support those things. I am not after like, okay, maybe one day I'll drive a G wagon, but it's not right now because I got a four-year-old spilling apple juice in the back of my car. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I always say, if you have to tell people you're cool, you're probably not cool. And well, I'm not and it'll be interesting to that. watch this potentially evolve over the next two years or less, because quite frankly, as a society, we've moved into a more authentic, transparent. We want to know the real stuff. We want to see you without your makeup on. We want to know who we're really working with. And so I think that some of these guys that get up on these stages and have those slow-mo videos, what they're doing is turning everyone in the audience like you and I into immediate like, oh, I just put a podcast on in my ears and I'm just going to sit here and save my seat while this guy talks. I'm not listening to him. He's not authentic to me any longer. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if they shift that method over the next couple of years because it's just not, it's not what we want to see. Well, I, and I also just don't think that's what a lot of people are after anymore. No. Like, I don't. I I think the stuff like you and I are doing in September, honestly, I think the smaller retreats, the smaller masterminds that meet in person and then go into six months of Zoom meetings. I think that the more intimate, more personable stuff, while they may be less profitable for some of the people that are used to putting on stuff for 10,000, you know, of course they spend a million dollars to put them on, but I think that those are going to be cropping up more and more. And that's where, if you are listening to this podcast today, A, you need to check out, you know, our two stuff, but you need to find all of those that you can, and then find the one that you want to go back to and back to and back to, because get out of the big rooms, get into the little ones, create your tribes. Yeah. I mean, the majority is always wrong. So whatever the majority is doing, you should do the opposite. Yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my rule of thumb. Also, usually if you want to know where, like which direction the market it's going, just follow the women. Yeah. They'll, they'll tip you off. And not the loudest woman in the room. Not the one who is the squeaky wheel that feels like she has to keep yelling about stuff to be important, but the one that's sitting off to the corner, just kind of nodding her head and then gets up and does her own thing. That's the one you follow. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause they're charting the path. Yes. Yeah. And not, you know, for a lot of these women, if it feels like you're swimming in uncharted waters, I think a lot of women, um, in our season and our stage struggle with loneliness. Um, it's lonely running a big business. None of, uh, uh, none of my friends carry, some of them do, but for the most part, carry the weight of the businesses that we're running. And it's not like I'm getting invited to the golf tournament to chit chat about business. Like there's not a lot of circles for us to like talk in. No. Um, and you've got to start making and when you're circles. going to these events and making these connections and not just handing a business card out, but making the personal connections. Mm-hmm. Now you've got women who are building businesses like you are that live three time zones away that y'all can hop on a Zoom like we're doing right now and have a conversation and you're not lonely anymore because we're accessible. You're accessible to your people. Yes, 100%. And I think that's a a huge um, non-tangible. It doesn't show up on a stat sheet. No. Which most, a lot of things don't. But if you let that drop to the wayside, your your tangible, your spreadsheet is going to look worse because emotionally we need that connection. It's how we are made. You'll build to burnout. Yeah, agreed. All right, so let's wrap this up. Is there any last parting, anything you want to give to our audience? 
I would, my last parting thing is, is take your business serious. Don't be casual about it. Um, that if you're in year one, two, three, and you're doing 5 million in production, it is a scalable business. You are worth investing in. Like if if your male counterpart had a business that was doing that, you would double down and you would invest, it would invest in it. Um, and you're the biggest asset in that business. So invest in yourself and your business will grow. Your business will grow in direct relation to your own personal development. Yep. It just will, hands down. That is the, the where I see like consistently, that is always the pattern. The women that invest in themselves and like their own personal development, their business will always follow suit because they're growing, right? And so you have to keep growing in proportion to your business or your business will be stagnant. And if you're repeating 5 million in production every year, um, that's a problem. Yeah. Unless that's really just what you want to do. And still, that's a problem. So there you go. Parting words. All right, everybody. This was amazing as always. And we will have in the show links up show notes, links up Amy and how you can reach her and how you can get more information about her programs and her group and her tribe and all the goodness, you know that. So we will see you next Tuesday or Thursday. You know where to find us.